Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Marty Miller, Regional Master Instructor, here as always with fellow Regional Master Instructor, my dear friend, Miss Wendy Vats. Wendy, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Marty? Great. Looking forward to this week's topic and always, you know, hanging out, talking shop with you. <laughs> so it's all good. Yes, I'm excited about today's topic because we actually saw this on Facebook. Um, so those of you guys that are very active on the page, we really appreciate it because it kind of stems some of our thought process of what we're going to talk about each week. And there was actually some questions last week regarding running. And so Marty and I wanted to do just a quick kind of overview. We're not going to go deep into the anatomy, but we're going to talk about some important things to consider when you are running or when you have a client that is a runner, um, some considerations and, and assessments that you want to consider to help keep them safe from injury. Yeah, I think this topic's important. I think, Wendy, you and I have even, you know, of course, we've dealt with high-level athletes, but our general population, there's a group of that general population that love to run for whatever reason. They think that's the best way to burn calories. They, that's their kind of alone time where they get to check out. But what I've always noticed with runners is the last thing they want to give up is running. So that's where the OPT model is going to be their best friend. And I think that sometimes there's a true misunderstanding of what you should do with runners so that way they can continue to run. Yes. So more mileage is not necessarily the answer. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and throw that out there. But I will honestly say I have some clients that are runners and they run on average like six to eight miles four or five times a week because that's what they enjoy doing. And to me, like that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. And when I look at their range of motion and I look at some of their movements, it actually blows my mind how they're able to run that type of distance and feel great when they do it. And so there are those, those people that have found the path of least resistance and have compensated so much that they're really good at compensating where they don't feel that they're injured whatsoever. However, you want to think about the future of, you know, inaccurate movements and what that can lead to long-term if you're not careful. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of different things we can look at. There's true running efficiency from like a running coach, but we're really going to spend more time talking about the running biomechanics as it equates to what we can control with uh, assessments, corrective exercise, things like that. Then of course, you know, our job is to get someone moving well. So if they do need to get better at a sport, they can find that type of coach. And let's remember running is a sport. Yes. So if we look at what we're going to talk about, which is basically what we've been talking about, we're going to talk about some of the running injuries, like common running injuries. I mean, obviously we could spend probably hours talking about every type of injury out there, um, but we're going to talk about some, you know, movement dysfunctions that are going to possibly lead to injuries long-term if you're not careful. And as always, we're going to talk about the importance of the OBT model and actually putting people in the right phases based on, oh, imagine this, assessments and the importance of recovery. So I think we take that for granted because just coming in and cooling down and drinking your water or Gatorade or whatever it is to replenish what you're, you're missing isn't always just that. There is so much more to recovery. Correct. I think people are getting more and more accustomed to it now. I mean, Wendy, you and I were the type of people that had to carry foam rollers into the gym and get laughed at. Yes. Now with all the devices and the guns, it's gotten easier. You know, people can hit the easy button. So I think that they're more willing to do that. So, you know, I'm excited to dive in. So for any of those of you that are just joining, Wendy and I are talking about running 101 and basically how do you keep everyone glued together so they can run? Yes. Oh, I like it. Way to reset, Marty. 
Hi, your, our producer is going to be so proud. Exactly. And how about this? Marty, I'm going to ask you a question. Running. Yes. Is it safe? It depends. So <laughs> you know me, I've said this for years. And I had a client that used to say this to me. He's like, well, you know, when I get in shape, then I'll start training. And I'm like, huh? or I'm going to run, you know, once I run a little bit and get in shape and then I'll, I'm like, no, 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 you don't run to get in shape. You get in shape to run. So let's go back to the OPT model at the highest level. You have stabilization, strength, and power. Last time I checked running is not corrective exercise or stabilization training. It has to fall into that strength and power component of the model. So when you look at what somebody wants to do for a hobby and or for their extracurricular cardiovascular activities, if they're already in a strength or power type of activation or activity, then they need the foundation of the model even more. And I've had a lot of runners who, and I'm going to say it this way the first time for a reason that they don't want to be in the gym. They don't want to weight train. Well, I don't call weight training, weight training anymore. I call it resistance training because that eliminates the mindset of from some people, including runners, where they're going to get big and bulky. Resistance training can still be corrective exercise or stabilization endurance training. And that is crucially important for everybody, but especially people like what Wendy, you described with your client putting in 20, 25 plus miles a week. If they are not moving soundly and if they do not have all those little muscles that stabilize the joints and absorb the energy and transmit it through the muscular system instead of the skeletal system, they're not going to run for long, or if they do, they're going to run in pain. And some people just accept that. So you'll see here, I always say you have to earn the right. So let's get you in shape. So then you can go out and run. Yes. And if you want to think about this, I mean, just visually. So even if you're not looking at the PowerPoint, I know we don't have an actual, um, we don't have anything to show like a visual uh, cue just to, to bring up on the slideshow. But think about this. If your feet are turned out, Okay, even if they're slightly turned out and your knees are pointed straight and you were to go into a squat, you can think about the the amount of weight and pressure and stress that's put on the inside of that knee. And so if somebody's been in a seated position too, we we've talked about multiple times about the importance of really trying to stretch out your hip flexors and strengthen your glutes, because if not, you could have an anterior tilt, which means, remember, the hips will tilt forward. And so if your hips are tilted forward and your hip flexors are short and your glutes aren't really activated the way that they should be, then you're probably going to be hunched over too in the shoulders. Now, when you think about that posture, so you've got your feet out, your knees basically in because you want your toes should be in line with your second and third or your knees should be in line with your second and third toe. If that's not the, the way that someone's standing and then you know that their hips are off and their shoulders are forward. And now I say, hey, let's go and and warm up on the treadmill, let's go run. Think about the excess pressure, like you said, Marty, um, that you're putting on the skeletal system. Think about like, especially your spine, you know, you've got your vertebrae, your disc, your vertebrae, and that compression and compound, um, like, you know, your, the compounding force that you're constantly putting on there. And then with your, your joints not properly aligned, that's when we talk about how injuries can occur. It may not happen all at once, However, if you, you can visually think about that, you would say, okay, would you put this person on a treadmill? And most people would say, no, unfortunately, most people walk in like that and we're like, hey, go warm up on the treadmill and then we're going to analyze your movement and see if we can correct that. So just kind of stop for a second, look at your client and think, is running appropriate at that time? And if you can honestly say yes, then maybe that is the right way of, of going about trying to warm up the body, which again, foam rolling and static stretching could easily do that. 
But if that's something that you want to do, just make sure it's appropriate because you could be increasing the stress to those joints by just doing a, a basic warm up. that there's so many safer ways of, of going about that. Yeah. And I, this, I can only speak for myself. I I've talked to enough runners. I think there's a group of people who think running always has to be painful because that's all they've ever experienced. Now I'm not talking about challenging cardiovascularly, right? That, that, that is what it's designed to do. But normally what happens is the people's orthopedic structure starts to fail them well before their cardiovascular system does. So they stop running because of all the itises, you know, bursitis, tendonitis, you know, plantar fasciitis, all these things that uh, happen over time. But guess what? You can actually run and not be in pain. You can, may not enjoy the process. I don't enjoy long distance running. Not, I'm actually not horrible at it because uh, I do a lot of cardio. It's not for me, but I'm not struggling with it because of the orthopedic limitations. I just get bored very quickly and I'd rather do other things. But for the people that love it, let's get them to understand like they don't have to run in pain. Let's let's have that conversation very early on. And I think you'll get some people that are shocked. And God bless these people. I think we've all seen them. You ever see someone running down the road and you can just tell they're miserable. And I don't mean miserable as people. They're, I'm sure they're very, very nice people, but they're miserable in their experience because you could see them running hunched over and you can just tell that they're in pain. Their heads forward, their shoulders are rounded. If you just watch, you can tell that they're doing this because that's what they've done for the last 30 years, but their body has just had enough, but yet they have the mindset just to keep pushing through. So imagine if we were able to get to them earlier on in their running career, maybe they can run now with less pain. But Wendy, I'm sure you've seen people that you just, you don't even have to ask them if it hurts. It's just the way they're carried their gait and their body while they're running. It, it, I mean, it's all over. <laughs> you know that they're not feeling good. Oh, yes. I wish I could say that I was a runner, but I do a half marathon every year with my family. Um, well, no, but I'm not a runner. That's just it. You know, I do something. And, and at the time, I thought this was a genius idea that we could do this as an annual thing to bring my family together. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, when every time I go out to try to train, which isn't very often, by the way. So I just go and suffer through it. I, I look at people who have, like I said, they, their gait isn't it isn't perfect. However, they're, they're beating me. You know, it's like, I may have really like be dialed at the time. I mean, I know I have compensations right now, but if I'm really working on trying to really focus on my gait and I'm like, I can't keep up with these people. It is amazing to me. I'm like, I am going to beat this person and I can do everything in my power and I can't catch them. So there is something to be said when you train for something, even if it's not correct, you will have the mindset and you're going to have the capacity to, to mm -hmm. do it. It's just like you said, long-term, is it, is it worth it? Probably not. So let's talk about ways, Marty, that we, you know, let's talk about some of the stuff that we found when we talk about the injuries. And then after that, we can talk about things to consider. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking running 101, just kind of going over a very high level. Uh, this was kind of posed at us with some questions. So again, we can always come back with more detail on programming. And Wendy, maybe after I cover this slide, you could give them some hints on uh, some of the courses or some of the content we've already put out there if they want to get more of the anatomy. But, you know, of course, we're NASM. We wanted to look at what some of the uh, injuries are. So we purposely, when we put this together, went to runner's world. I really wanted to go and find out what the running community is saying about injuries. So that's why if you look at uh, why we pulled this, this we kind of purposely went down this route because this is what the running community would be reading. So this is where this information came from. 
So according to Runners World, nearly half of recreational runners sustain injuries. Knee injuries are counting for 27% of those. And Achilles tendon and calf, the other uh, 25% of that as well. Paying attention to training load, intensity of your runs, and your biomechanics can be helpful in preventing injury. So I like this segment because this is what Runners World is telling them. They didn't say anything about correcting posture. They didn't say anything about what we can do. So clearly... They've identified there's injuries, but they haven't identified us as the solution yet. So, Wendy, when I was putting this together, I'm like, oh, perfect talking point. They didn't say mm-hmm. go find your NESM certified corrective exercise specialist or trainer. So, if you are looking for new clients, runners may be it. And then those with a previous injury, not shocking, twice as likely to sustain a running-related injury. Basically, probably tells Wendy and I, they ran bad, they paused, they healed, let the pain go away, and they started running bad again. Shocker, right? Definition of insanity right there. So new runners tend to have a higher injury um, incident rate, with which is correlated with the highest reasons they stop running. Not shocking. And then recreational runners on average experience one injury for every 225 hours of running. And that's reported. So again, I think they feel that some of the pain is supposed to be there. So imagine if they really knew what to report. My assumption is it'd be a lot higher. Yes. And it is, you know, it's amazing because when you look at some of the, like you said, you were talking about the itises, but a really big one that you hear about is runner's knee. And mainly it's, you know, you got to think, you know, your IT band and people are like, oh, I've got IT band syndrome. And I'm like, perfect. Like, do you know what that means? And they're like, oh yeah, like I've got this muscle that is so strong. That's pulling my knee out of whack. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, the IT band is not a muscle. Your TFL, remember guys, your TFL is the main muscle. And then you've got that really like the band that comes from your TFL and that attaches below the knee or like um, below the knee. So it passes the knee joint. And when it gets super, super, you know, your TFL gets tight, you've got to think that all of a sudden, you know, it's going to pull your knee one direction. But then again, think about everything else that's being tight when you're, when you're running and becomes overactive, it's kind of like a tug of war. Cause if your calves are tight, it's pulling one direction, then everything else is tight above it's pulling the other direction. And that poor knee is, we talked about the knee injuries before we've done a lot on the knees. It's kind of playing this tug of war. It's kind of like your ankle and your hip. is going to be what dictates what the knee does. And it's like, okay, well, let's spend some time talking about foam rolling your quad. That's going to be over that band because remember it's more of the lateral quad that's causing some of that tightness as well. Um, it's not necessarily the IT band itself. Um, and it's been some time giving some, you know, giving some love to the TFL, that poor guy it's overworked and underpaid. So, you know, and then, and then strengthen the glutes. And so I know it sounds like it's super simple, but it, and it's not, but, uh, you know, there are ways that you can help, you know, some of these crazy statistics because, but you know uh, what, when like, we can go back to the basics is it's not simple, but it's also not as complex in a sense. Like most people, hopefully, and you know, Wendy, I'll bring it back to dental hygiene anytime I can, floss your teeth, right? It's not a hard task to do, but it, it's been proven to create such a health benefit. Like that's like foam rolling. You know, you just get up, you just do it once or twice a day just because you, you know you're supposed to do it. That's how I look at it. Yes. And those of you guys that don't know Marty, he literally carries floss with him everywhere he goes. So he's got the cleanest, cleanest teeth to know. Um, cleanest mouth. I'm married to dental hygienist, right? So hey, there you have it. So <laughs> those of you guys that are just joining us, I'm here with Marty Miller and we're talking about running 101. And you see some of these unfortunate um, common running injuries, the word they're being common. However, I think some of these are avoidable 
Um, but now we know what to look for when you're talking about a runner. These are common questions that you can ask your clients if they say they are a runner. Ask them how many hours a week are they running? Also ask if they've had any injuries while running. If so, what was it? Was it something at the foot and ankle? Was it something at the knee, something at the hip? Because again, that will help you when designing a perfect program, even before you do the movement assessments. So I really think this was a really good, um, this is a really good slide for you to start, you know, get your wheels turning on common questions to ask your clients just to help you in the future. Absolutely. So moving on. I like oh, this wheel. picture. I know you do. You always talk about if you're in NASCAR and you're running and you're going for your however many laps it, it makes is. sense. Yes. The wear and tear, you have to change your And tires. I found the perfect picture finally. You did. So Marty, this this is your your bread and butter. Why don't you take this it? This is my, my Picasso, right? So. <laughs> it is. <laughs> exactly. So, so well visually demonstrated here. I can't take credit for creating those images by finding them. But... This, I think, helps me translate it to my runners. Here, I think we all understand what we see on the right. I mean, that's this is what we do. And these are uh, Olympic athletes you're seeing on, on the right here. These are not amateur runners. So that means they their cardiovascular capacity is off the charts. But they have phenomenal aerobic capacities on dysfunctional movement. So can that limit their training? Could they be potentially better? I don't know. But do, do they have a higher chance of having some of those injuries we saw on the other slide? Absolutely. So when you look at the picture of the tires, it just makes more sense. Every three to 5,000 miles, all of us take our car into the body shop or our mechanic, and we just turn it over to them and they check everything and they make sure everything's balanced. Well, why would we not do that with our body? That's what cracks me up about fitness. People take care of these inanimate objects like a car more than they do their own body, whether it's what we put in it or how we you know, treat it as far as symmetry and making sure everything's tuned up the right way. So you can see here just on the image on the right or the left that either one of those, they're not going to have the best wear patterns. So when you drive faster or run faster, drive more, run more, more often, and don't do the correctives, statistically, you're going to probably have a, a problem. Yes. But unfortunately, if something like is not aligned properly with your car, then you can usually just get new tires. And while it financially is a burden, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that it's like, okay, you, you pay out the money and then you drive away and everything's perfect. With our bodies, it's not the same. Because again, if we end up having this wear and tear, that's when you start to see people truly have to go through and we're starting to see more and more total total knees total hips i mean and all these you know body parts that unfortunately with the wear and tear over time you know they no longer have cartilage it's bone on bone you've got crazy bone spurs and you know and that's that's something that i think if we can identify early and we can help them while they could be an olympic athlete i mean we you know i did something um on random fit with um with ken miller and we actually had an olympic or a paralympic gold medalist who was a runner on our show and he talked about the importance of foam rolling and he foam rolls every single time before he does anything and every single time when he's done and talks about the importance of corrective exercise and movement and that's what kept him going and he actually has someone that does the manual therapy that i was taught by dr clark 
to, to get worked on every single day, just to make sure that he's properly lined up because that's what's actually helping him win these gold medals. He's able to run distances with, you know, be pain-free and actually push his limit because he knows that his body can take it. And so, you know, when you think about someone, you know, putting it in real life, who's a gold medalist, and then now we look at someone that's, you know, going from, what is it, you know, what is it, uh, 5K, you know, couch to 5Ks. If you've got proper, you know, you're, you're looking at a running program. Yes, you're thinking about distance, but you also want to think about movement patterns. Because to Marty's point, I mean, if, if you think about it, and I think this is an excellent, excellent image. Unfortunately, we're seeing all this on the right. But, you know, think about it as your tires. And it's just not as easy as changing them out and getting a new one. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is, Wendy? When no. Our, no, you don't know, but like, I don't gonna find tell out me. Okay. Is when any of us have a light go off in our car, we immediately are like, Oh, I need to go figure this, check this out, whatever. But when we get these itises, we're like, ah, I can work. And like the light goes off in your car and you have a panic attack, but <laughs> the light goes off in your body. You know, when you wake up, your knee hurts or your back hurts and you just keep going and you're going to run through it. It's like, man, we got our priorities backwards, but go back to that slide with all of the research from runner's world. Maybe they don't know it's fixable because in there, it never said, go find a corrective exercise program. Right. But see, so, this is, this can be someone's niche. Marty, exactly. we're helping you build your business. If you love to run and you're doing runners, like runner clubs and everything like that, Correct. just think now you can add this Gold component mine. in. Yes. Yes. If I love to run, I would do this. Unfortunately, I actually fix people so they can go and run. Um, however, you know, I, I, I fix broken people, but this is what we look for. So, all right, if they're we move on, people though, Wendy, they're just broken yes. biomechanically. Yeah. Oh yes. I can't emotionally <laughs> fix someone. That's not, that's out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> that's a totally but, different master instructor roundtable. And this is a quote from Mr. Or sorry, Dr. Miller that we hear him say all the time. We do not play sports because they're good for us. Orthopedically we play them because we enjoy them. So I don't even know what else to say other than that. <laughs> We're not asking you to give up your sport. We're just asking you to do what is necessary. Like I always say, I don't make the rules. If you want to do this, then you have to do this. If you don't expect this. So it just comes down to, you want to run, you know what those injury rates are, put together a corrective exercise program, stabilization training program for sure. Probably have a much better chance of not facing those numbers. If you choose to just run and not fix any of these things, go back to that slide and maybe you're going to probably fall into some of those categories. Yes. Very well said. <laughs> All right. If we move forward to the next slide, when you think about the, Oh, imagine this one. So importance of assessments, right. guys, we have said this so many times. I said this at Optima live. I'll say this until I'm probably until I'm on my deathbed. If you're not assessing, you're guessing. You need to know how someone's moving. And it doesn't matter if they're a professional athlete. It doesn't matter if they've never worked out before. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, they come, they're novice at the gym. It doesn't matter what shape, size, form, or condition somebody comes in. When they walk through those doors, sit down, talk to them, find out their goals, do all the, you know, subjective information, you know, that part of the assessment. But when you get them moving, do the five kinetic chain checkpoints, put them, you know, on ideal alignment, take off their shoes and have them perform hands overhead squats, because this can tell you so much information and runners are no different. This is extremely, extremely important because think about all, think about every time, you know, your single leg, 
you know, when you're running, you're on single leg, when it's touching the ground, and now you're adding that force and you're adding the momentum and you're adding the hills and uneven surfaces, your body is going to have to take a lot of ground and pound, if you will, over time. And so if you're not moving off, you know, like as optimally as you can, you are increasing the chances of injury. And so truly identifying anything that's not ideal. So if your feet are turned out, knees are caving in, do they have an arch? Do they have a round back? Are their arms falling forward? Is their head forward? You know, the, the main things that you're looking at from the five kinetic chain checkpoints, if you see it, mark it down. And then at that point, take that solutions table. Even though you may not be awesome at anatomy, take the solutions table that NASM gave you and then look at the muscles that are overactive. Foam roll, stretch. Think about the muscles that are underactive. Activate those muscles. And that's going to help that joint get better alignment. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But if you're constantly making it a point to do all of this, then the way that the execution long term is going to be phenomenal for the runner. And then it's also going to be phenomenal long term for you because you're helping them feel better, move better, which will get them to perform better long term. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I always go back to the OPT models undefeated. I've never run across someone and go, man, there's not a solution here for me if I follow the model. doesn't matter the category of person, the age of the person, the experience of the person, the fitness level of the person, their goals. It's never mattered. So I think you uh, cover that tremendously, Wendy, as we talk about running 101 and what our runners truly need to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Move better. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of move better, here we go. Yes. So when you think about the corrective exercising, guys, even though you may not be CES yet, I'm hoping that maybe this will be something that triggers you. The corrective exercise specialist that the NASM has truly, to me, has helped build my business. And I know this isn't the first time some of you guys that follow us have heard me say. And it's mainly because we're really trying to pinpoint exactly what's not working the way that it was meant to work. And it's not rocket science. Again, I am not an anatomy like, oh, I can spit off origin insertion and everything for every single muscle in my body because that's not the case. Now, do I know the most common ones? Yes, based on spending time looking at this and reviewing it and then taking that solutions table constantly and looking at it daily to try to make it something that's second nature. And so the big thing is, is identify the problem. Where do you do that? In the assessment. We just talked about it. Five connected chain checkpoints, when they're squatting down, what doesn't look right, check mark it. And then we're going to try to solve the problem. And, and the problem is, is looking at that solutions table. When you see something that isn't right, then you're going to inhibit. That just means foam roll or use a percussion device, something that's going to downregulate that overactivity in the muscle. Then you're going to lengthen only through static stretching of the muscles that were shown to be overactive. We're not stretching everything. And Marty, I know you can talk about this and we'll we'll stop and go back to this, but you only want to stretch the muscles or statically stretch the muscles that are overactive, not everything. And not because it feels this way. Okay. Something may feel one way, but it may be lengthened. And so that's what Marty will end up talking about because he had some experience with that. And then you're going to look at, okay, the underactive muscles, what are some activation exercises? And those are the things that are really slow motion, it's the bridges, the the bird dogs, the planks. And you're gonna see on that solutions table, if this is overactive, then activate this muscle. And then choose in your book, we've provided a ton of different like exercises for you to choose from that would fit those categories. 
So if you're new, you can kind of plug and play. And then when we talk about integrating, it's choosing one or two full body exercises. And Marty and I's favorite, we'll both say this, is a squat to row. You're, you're getting the lower body and the upper body to move together to try to retrain the brain with the newfound link that you got and newfound activation that you now have and trying to put it all together before you do the workout. So the CES is like your warm up. Don't think of it as the workout itself. I mean, it can be just a workout. However, try to think that that's going to be very specific and that's what's going to individualize, individualize each program and also you, it'll separate you as a trainer to be able to say, I can do this for you. And not a lot of other trainers can say that. Correct. And, you know, to your point about lengthening, and this is why we go back to the assessment is if we have, you know, the typical anterior pelvic tilt, we identified that the hip flexor complex, and there's a way to really screen out which hip flexors it could be, it could be multiple. If they're tight intuitively, then the hamstring muscle has to be in a lengthened position. So for years, when I was in this industry to start, everybody was stretching their hamstrings. Hamstring stretching was the best way to reduce low back pain and all this. And even when I was in professional sports in 2007, again, it was still stretch your hamstring. But when you look at the assessment, their hamstring would be in a lengthened position. So it's already being pulled on. So yeah, it feels tight because it doesn't want to go any further. It's protecting itself from snapping. And what muscle ends up tearing way more? The hamstring complex. So this is where you can inhibit everything. We, we, Wendy and I have talked about that in the past, but you know we are going to target the overactive tissues, but you really need to be very targeted with the lengthening. And that kind of allows the reset process to start. And then you activate the underactive side and you bring everything together and you should be moving better. Yes, well said, Mike. <laughs> yes. So then um, if we go to the next slide and we really kind of think about you know, what, with this information, like what's next again, if there's compensations, you're going to go into phase one. And remember when we're looking on stabilization endurance training. And so we're really trying to focus on ideal movement patterns. We're trying to make sure that someone can do the fundamental movement patterns that we've talked about. So hinging, bending, squatting, moving, walking, because again, you want to think, you know, gait is one of your fundamental movement patterns. And if you know that your gait or your walking patterns off, imagine now that I speed that up. And so it's very important to look at the very minor things because those minor things can lead to major things long term. But if you can identify them from the start, then you're going to have, you know, better overall uh, results. And so just think we're moving slow. We're focusing on the eccentric component of it, the exercises. We're making sure that the five kinetic chain checkpoints are all in place. And we're going to try to get the brain to cue out of those compensations that have become the norm. Yeah, we put in a lot of different uh, benefits here from phase one that you can, uh, you know, re, uh, improved adherence, core stability, all those things that are essential for that phase one training. And again, it's resistance training. That's where I think when you have the conversation with your client, if they're a hardcore runner and they've never been in a gym before, that way, you know, you feel, they feel that, okay, maybe resistance training is something I need to do. I don't maybe necessarily want to go and lift heavy weights. So that's where, again, we want to, as you'll see the list, as it comes back up here, knowing these things and being able to speak to these, not all of them, but just understanding the benefits of phase one. Wendy, I think you're muted. 
Oh, I said, yes, indeed. Unfortunately, it is an important phase that sometimes we think is the easy phase. But remember, if there's compensations, that phase is not easy. It is not easy no. for someone. And if you think so, do a four to one push up yourself. Do 15 of them, squeezing your glutes, keeping, you know, a flat back, going through the plus. And if you think that's easy, then maybe it is an easy phase. But to me, that's de still difficult. Every single time I go through phase one and challenge myself, it is amazing how slowing things down and really executing the right muscles. Remember, we're trying to get the right muscles to fire at the right time and the right plane of motion. And if we can do that, then we're going to be so much stronger when we get into strength long term. And it's going to lead to better power. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. Very challenging. And when I'm fatigued, I would much rather do one of the other phases of training because this takes so much focus and concentration. And when you, we say difficult, there's always a way to make something more challenging. But the key thing is, is it appropriately challenged? We're not looking for the, I always call it the circus acts when we're doing balance training and stability training. But, you know, Wendy and I both trained some elite athletes that have mastered this level, but we can still find another progression for them uh, to, you know, to where it's right at that cusp of what they can control. So let's move on to the next slide here and talk about recovery. Now, Wendy, uh, you and I spoke about this at the very beginning. This has now become much more the norm, much more acceptable. So the good news is after a workout, whatever phase of training, or even if somebody does their correctives, then goes runs a 5k, a 10k, whatever their distance is for that day, that we don't want them just to kick off their sneakers, come in the house and drink their water. We want them to inhibit and lengthen the tissues that they put a lot of stress into. Life has gotten a lot easier for us now with the massage guns. Wendy, I know you and I have multiple different, uh, you know, massage devices that we use. We have maybe our preferences, but any of the big names are, are phenomenal. Um, you, you know, you see here uh, somebody using that for their calves. It could be a foam roller. We do like the vibration. We cover that in the corrective exercise specialist as well. But then the other thing too is recovery boots with the compression. Now, Wendy, you being a massage therapist, obviously I'm sure you're uh, quite happy that, that there's a way now that people can do this type of compression therapy and compression uh, recovery. So as long as you're putting some recovery in, obviously they're going to get a better result the next time out. I've, I've heard this said before, your athletes are only going to come back to you the way they left you. So if you load them up with a bunch of stress and then that's it, they're going to come back under a lot of stress sleep alone won't inhibit the muscles it won't do all the things that that we need to do here so recovery obviously there's a nutrition component we didn't talk about and a sleep component we're talking more about musculoskeletal recovery in this topic today yeah and recovery is so important guys we can't even i can't emphasize that enough and i think more and more it's becoming more well known more people are talking about it and like you said there's so many different um you know, companies out there that are doing recovery or providing recovery devices that, I mean, it's, it's because they've been shown to work. And I mean, if you guys haven't ever used the Normatec boots, they're phenomenal. Um, I thought, well, how about, how, how, how much are they going to change your life? If you're a runner, they can make you feel and move so much better. And it actually helps get rid of some of the soreness too, because of the way that it inflates. And, and those of you guys that don't know it, you can see the bottom image here. You know, you put them on, they're kind of like hockey pants, they're individual legs, but they blow up cell by cell starting at the toes and then go all the way up and then it deflates. So it helps even in your lymphatic system. I'm saying holidays are coming up. 
that's on my, but you know, maybe Santa's going to bring them to me this year. I've been waiting for a while and I've, I must not have uh, checked the good list yet, but maybe this year. Uh, I've been really good. I've had mine for a few years, so. <laughs> not surprising. Not surprising. So cool. So recovery is key. So now we'll move on to the next slide. Shocking. We have some key takeaways. So when you and I talked about this earlier, is this a market you want to attack? So if you're passionate about the running community and you have your stories that you can tell and you digest some of what we've talked about and you like some ideas are going off, there are thousands of runners around you. I promise you may not know them because maybe they don't come into your gym because they don't see the value of that yet. So the key thing here is this may be a, a new market that you can attack. Maybe that's why you go out and get your corrective exercise specialist or all these other things that you can really connect with that running community. So to me, that's one key takeaway. And you'll see, of course, you know, we talked about, are you getting in shape to run or running to get in shape? That's part of the process. Shocking assessments are going to be critical. And then of course, recover. So Wendy, any other key takeaways from that? I think, you know, one thing I, you know, I did want to mention guys, it's important to think about, you know, how many miles somebody's running each and every week too, because you want to make sure that you're not overtraining someone. And so when we talk about like doing corrective exercise, you're trying to get them to, to move better. So therefore when they're going into their sport and they're doing it, they're going to feel better and they're going to decrease the chances of injury. But you also want to think if they're preparing for a big race, you have to be very smart in your programming because again, as you're working with someone, when it gets closer and closer to race day, you may need to stop and do some active recovery, really focus on mobility and movement versus just strength, because you wanna work the strength up until a certain point, and then you wanna make sure that they're mobile, they have good range of motion, so therefore they can execute on race day. So I know we didn't really go into that all that much, but there are certain things when you're programming to keep in mind. Same thing when you're working with professional athletes, you're looking at when their season starts, Marty and I have talked about when does the season start and then we work backwards. You want to do the same thing with runners, but corrective exercise is key because movement quality matters, especially when you're running. Couldn't agree more. So when as we wrap this up, why don't you give everybody your contact information? Yes. If you want to reach me, you can always email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then uh, same here for me. My email is right there, marty.miller at nasm.org. And Instagram is dr.martymiller72. And just like this topic came from some requests and emails and or the Facebook page, keep them coming and we will be happy to address it. So Wendy, thank you for this uh, awesome topic. And I look forward to seeing you and everybody else next week. Mm -hmm.